Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Bible Study and Prayer Meeting. This evening, we're going to be considering the love of God for sinners. And for now, I'd like to hand you over to Norman, who will be singing Sovereign Grace or Sin Abounding. It's number 384 in our green hymn book. And in the last verse of that hymn, the words are as follows. On such love, my soul still ponder. Love so great, so rich and free. Say, while lost in holy wonder, why, O Lord, such love to me? Hallelujah. Grace shall reign eternally. And a big amen to that. I'll hand you over to Norman now. Sovereign grace, O sin abounding, ransom souls a dying swell. Tis a deep that knows no sounding, who each breadth and length can tell. All its glories, all its glories, let my soul come now to our Bible study. We're starting a new series this evening, looking at the things that are everlasting. And for our first study, we're going to consider the everlasting love of God. Speaking about the Jews, the Apostle John said in John chapter 1, verse 11 through to 13, he, in other words, Jesus, came unto his own, that is the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, 
even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What John said about the believing Jews being given the power or the right to become the sons of God can legitimately be said about all who receive the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on his name, whether they be Jew or Gentile. If you are a born-again Christian, you are quite literally an adopted son or daughter of your Maker, Almighty God. And that is because your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, has given you the right and the great privilege to be such. Armed with that fact, you can safely deduce that God, your Heavenly Father, loves you, his child. Is it possible to quantify that love? Can we know how great the love of the triune God is for his children? For one thing, it's a Calvary love. For example, in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through to 8, the Apostle Paul said, In due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me read that last bit again. But God commendeth, or demonstrates, his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then there's that verse that we all know, John chapter 3 and verse 16, where it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I say we all know it, but let me just emphasise a couple of things concerning John chapter 3. And verse 16. For one thing, at the beginning where we read about God giving his son, that is explained in verse 14, which is a verse that speaks of Jesus being lifted up to die. Therefore, God gave his son to be lifted up to die on the cross. As for who the beloved of God are in verse 16. The verse goes on to tell us that they are whosoever believeth in him. In other words, that's you, dear Christian. Therefore, God gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be lifted up to die for you because of his love for you. Also, we can safely say that John chapter 3 and verse 16 is telling us that the love of God for his adopted children is very great indeed. That's what that little word so is there for, where we, where we read, for God so loved the world. But precisely how great is the love of God for 
his adopted children. Can we know the answer to that one? The only begotten Son of God gave the answer to that question in his high priestly prayer the night before his crucifixion when, having prayed for his apostles, he said in John chapter 17, verse 20 through to 23, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That includes us that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Did you get that last bit? That the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Right there in John chapter 17 and verse 23, you have the answer to how big the love of God is for you. In answer to that question, it is as great for you as it is for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is because your identity is in Jesus. Now for another question. When did God begin to love all you born again Christians with the same love that he has for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Was it when you first believed in Jesus and perhaps when you signed a decision slip or when you prayed a sinner's prayer? Not at all. For one thing, as has already been established, that divine love was already in place long before you were born. About 2000 years ago, when Jesus was lifted up to die as your substitute sin bearer. Furthermore, the love of God predates the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, it was because God so loved the, loved you that he gave his son to be lifted up to die at the cross. Actually, whatever direction in time you look, you'll see that the love of God for you has no beginning and it has no end. For example, when you look back, you can see in the scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. As the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through to 20, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, 
but was manifest in these last times for you. Therefore, the love of God for you was in place before he ever said, let there be light on the first day of creation. And looking forwards, Jesus, the good shepherd, said in John chapter 10, verse 27 through to 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. In those verses, you have a rock-solid assurance from the Son of God that you are eternally safe and eternally secure in his hand and in his Father's hand. The assurance in John chapter 10, verse 27 through to 30, of eternal security and the promise of everlasting life in John chapter 3, verse 16, speak of a love of God for you that will never, ever end. I'm going to finish with some words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Speaking about Christians, Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, For whom he, that's God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of his son. When you think about it, God foreknows everything. As such, the foreknowledge spoken of in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 is more than simply knowing about something before it happens. It speaks of God's eternal decree, as it did or as it does when we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 that the Lord Jesus Christ was delivered up to wicked men and to the cross by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Also, God's foreknowledge of you speaks of his very special covenantal love for you. It is a love about which the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, do thank you, Lord, for the things that we've been considering from your word, your word which is truth. We thank you, Lord, that we are loved with an everlasting love, not a love that is here today and gone tomorrow, but a love that endures forever. We thank you for that love that was so clearly demonstrated at the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up to die. And we think that every drop of blood that flowed from the veins of Emmanuel was a declaration of your great love for us. Indeed, we read that you have loved us as you have loved your son. How can we even begin to comprehend that when we think that we are dust of the earth and not just dust, but sinful dust? And yet you have clearly demonstrated your love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as your beloved children, we can be sure that we are safe in your hand now and forevermore and that there is nothing in heaven or earth that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you in his name. Father, we do pray for our church, that you would keep us close to one another, that we would remain united and that we would stand fast for the faith of the gospel and that we would be people who would individually and as a church fellowship would have it as our top priority to promote the Lord Jesus Christ and to exalt him, to magnify him in our thoughts and in our words and in our deeds. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>